and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now when the centurion who, had, who stood facing him saw how he had thus cried out and expired, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. And some women were also there, looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Less, and of Joseph and Salome. They used to accompany him and minister to him when he was in Galilee, besides many other women who had come with him to Jerusalem. Now when it was evening, as it was the day of preparation, that is, the eve of the Sabbath, there came Joseph of Arimathea, a counselor of high rank, who was himself looking for the kingdom of God. And he went in boldly to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. But Pilate wondered whether he had already died, and sending for the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion he was, he granted the body to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen cloth and took him down and wrapped him in linen cloth and laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock. Then they rolled a stone to the entrance of the tomb. The Passion of Our Blessed Lord is at many levels. Certainly there's the physical in the treatment, the physical treatment, or ill-treatment, or abuse that he received. But there is also the spiritual passion, because our Lord suffered for us, for love of us, to free us from our sins and save us from death. And there's also the emotional passion of our Lord, that those whom he loved, abandoned him. And of course, there's a psychological as well. Because our Lord is, is not only God, he is also man. And so all of the sufferings that we go through, our Lord went through as well, and to an even greater degree. Because he didn't just suffer as one man, but he suffered for the whole human race, for every single human being. And so all of our sufferings are really contained in his. And this is true for the church, universal. We are members of the church. So the church also has her own passion. And certainly in our time, we know what the passion of the church is. We see how she's lacerated how those who are the successors to the apostles seem to be running away. They may not physically run away, but by the silence they have run away. At the very time when we need to have their voice on so many issues, the world rejoices to see the church lacerated, beaten, defeated. And so it's incumbent upon us to continue to pray and, like the holy women, to remain at the foot of the cross on which the church is being crucified. And we look particularly to the visible head of the church, the successor of Peter. And so we turn to St. Peter and see how he himself behaved on 
that first Good Friday. As we heard, the, the Lord had said to us on, on, on the way down to the garden, in fact, at the Last Supper, our Lord had said that one of you would betray me. And all the apostles asked, is it I, Lord? Every one of the apostles doubted himself. And what is even more striking, they doubted each other. They couldn't think which one among them was the traitor. Peter speaks to John and asks him, who is it? The Lord gives a sign to John, but even so, does not reveal the presence of the traitor. Peter professes his loyalty, says when our Lord said that to fulfill the scriptures, the shepherd would be struck and the flock would be scattered. And Peter says, no, not I. Even if all of these abandon you, I will not. I am ready to die for you. No one could die for Christ before Christ had died. We could only die for Christ because Christ has died for us. We couldn't do it before. And because Peter was so audacious, our Lord permitted him to fall. And also, of course, to give us hope. So that even when we fall, we know there is hope of repentance that is still being offered to us. And so when we, as we just heard the Passion, we heard, we heard how our Lord came to Gethsemane. And he goes into the, he tells the disciples to wait, but the three, the three who had been with him in the Transfiguration, the three who, who were present when he raised the little girl from the dead, the three whom he had the particular attachment for, Peter, James, and John, he brings into the innermost part of the garden of Gethsemane. And what does he say? He says to them, sit down here while I pray. So his instruction is to wait while he prays. Now, what should they have been doing? Well, evidently they should have been praying as well. He, we told he, he went in and he began to feel dread and to be exceedingly troubled. So much so, he said to the three, My soul is sad even to death. Wait here and watch. And then going in, our Lord fell on the ground and begged his father, If it's possible, let this chalice pass. When he came back, what does he find? He finds the three asleep. And he shakes them, he wakes them, and he said to them, Simon, dost thou sleep? Couldst thou not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. That's the instruction, the order, the command he gives. Watch and pray that you do not fall into temptation. But the Lord is well aware of what we are made from. And he says, the spirit is indeed willing, the flesh is weak. So he knows that Peter does want to do as he's been commanded, 
but needs of his body, his flesh, are overwhelming. Isn't that also our case in the midst of temptation? We know what we ought to do, and we want to do it, but we seem not to be able to do it. And so the Lord leaves them and comes back and finds them sleeping. He says, sleep on now, take your rest, it's enough, the hour has come. And at that very moment, we hear the footsteps of the soldiers come in. And Judas offers our Lord the kiss. But then we're told immediately by Saint Mark, one of the bystanders drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. We know from St. John's Gospel that that was Peter. So Peter attempts to decapitate the servant of the high priest, but a bad swordsman, or perhaps Malchus, that's the man's name, saw what was happening and moved quickly. But the point was that Peter substituted action for prayer. That was the mistake. And of course, that is a temptation that men have. When Pope Pius, Blessed Pius IX, asked for prayers for the rosary during the turmoil in, in, in Rome, he could barely fill a church I agree, the churches in Rome are large, but he could barely fill a church. When, however, the, the um, revolutionaries were about to take over the city, there were thousands of men who came to his defense. They were ready to fight. They were ready to take up arms. But to pray... But what we're fighting is a spiritual battle. Swords, guns, and will not help. The rosary will. That's why we find it so difficult. Because it seems such a feeble weapon. So Peter's second mistake was that he substituted action for prayer. First mistake, sleeping instead of praying. Second, action. He's now going to make a third mistake. And what is that? They led Jesus away to the high priest. Peter followed him at a distance, even to the courtyard of the high priest, and was sitting with the attendants at the fire, woven himself, himself. Two more mistakes. He followed our Lord at a distance. If you follow someone at a distance, aren't you permitting somebody else to get in between? And who would get in between? But the tempter. And that was a mistake. We cannot afford to follow our Lord at a distance. We must keep as close to him as possible. And then, creature comforts. The flesh again. It's a cold night. And so he's warming himself by the fire. Unwilling to make a little sacrifice. And then the, the Lord is being questioned. Now we're told by St. Mark. 
While Peter was below in the courtyard, there came one of the maidservants of the high priest, and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. Thou also was of Jesus of Nazareth. Used by the fire, and therefore the flames of the fire showed up his face. He could be seen. Is it a soldier that challenges him? No. Is it a man that challenges him? No. A girl. And what does he do? He denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you're saying. And then he went outside into the vestibule and the cock crowed. Another mistake. He was not attentive to the signs. The cock crowed to warn him. And the maidservant, seeing him again, began to say to the bystanders, This is one of them, surely. And he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders said to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou also art a Galilean. How would they know he was a Galilean? Unless he was talking. In fact, we know from one of the other Gospels, he was speaking. They said, your accent gives you away. So we have another mistake. Words are not addressed to God. And at that point, Peter began to curse and to swear, I do not know the man you're talking about. And we're told at that moment, the cock crew a second time. And then Peter remembered the word Jesus had said to him. So he did hear the first crow of the cock. Because he heard the second, how would he know it's the second? And then remember. And what did he do? He remembered the word Jesus said to him, Before the cock crows twice, thou wilt deny me three times. And he began to weep. And this is what saved Peter. This is what saved Simon, so that we could have a pope, the first pope. He wept for his denial of the Lord, the betrayal of his friend. It is not the sin that is the problem. It is the refusal to repent unto God for the sin. That is the problem. A, refu a refusal to accept the fact that we cannot save ourselves. The, the, the high priest mocked our Lord. He saved others. He cannot save himself. We are the ones who cannot save ourselves. We are totally dependent on Christ and on his mercy. And therefore, like Peter, we must weep for our sins. Like the Magdalene, we must weep for our sins. Like the publican who went up to the temple and beat his breast, he wept for his sins. Those are the tears that will save us. Yes, we sin, not because we want to sin, but because the flesh is weak, and Christ understands this. What he cannot understand is the hardness of heart, and this is what we have seen in our world. And so, whilst the church today is in her passion, her agony, and Peter, for us, is silent, we must pray for him.
and ask the Lord to give him those tears of repentance, that he will stand by the Lord, that one, he will pray, that he will not resort to act activism, that he will keep close to the Lord, and that he will show the love that our Lord expects from those who call themselves his disciples. And of course that applies to us as well. Jesus Christ crucified, have mercy on us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This MP3 recording has been made available by Family Life International. Help us to make many more available in order to promote our Catholic faith. Go to www.familyandlife.org.uk and donate today.